CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Friday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us, as we always are. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events through a biblical perspective, a, you might say, a, a Christian perspective of the world, and then also what we hear in church is even in the Bible at all. So if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, or perhaps you've been reading your Bible on your own and come across something you don't understand, or someone's asked you a question, that's why we're here for you each and every weekday afternoon at this time to answer questions for you. That number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN. If you call right now, you're assured to get on. Joining me today, special guest from Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Hi, and welcome, Brad. Oh, it's great to have the program. Thank you, Thank you, Mike. How how is everything going at at um, uh, uh, PJI? It's going well, going very well. Uh, we've got a, a real hot case that's hit the fan, if you will, um, hit the media wires. It's dealing with a teacher at the uh, Europa uh, Valley School District in Riverside, California. Uh, she's been fired from her job not because of anything she does on the workplace. She's a fantastic teacher. She was fired because of her, her beliefs, uh, and specifically three beliefs. Well, first, they, they, they told her that they wanted her to, uh, if she ever had a, a transgender student or a you know, person with gender confusion, they want her to be willing to lie to the parents in case the parents were unaware of it to make sure the parents stayed in the dark. Uh, number two, she was required to use certain pronouns, pronouns that were opposite of truth and and try and, and, and encourage the confusion of the child. Uh, and then third, she, as a gym teacher, she had to be willing to, uh, in the future, hypothetically, to allow a teenage boy who had gender confusion to be able to go into the girl's locker room while the girls were potentially naked and changing into their swimsuits. So she said, no, these all violate my, my conscience. Uh, God would not want me to do these. I can't, I can't do these. They said, well, you're fired. She says, what about, you know, accommodation? Can you, he goes, no. So even though it's hypothetical, they didn't even think about how they would accommodate. They just fired her for, you know, not believing the right way. Well, we at Pacific Justice, we've already filed a complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission. And uh, in fact, I was supposed to be uh, on uh, Tucker Carlson's show tonight. Uh, but they rescheduled, and so I'll keep you guys in the loop when that comes down. But um, but a number of uh, media networks have already uh, picked up on it, and uh, it's it's real important because we're having we have a case similar to this also in our out of our Detroit, Michigan office. So these things are happening across the country, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure Christians are not purged from the workplace, especially the teachers. Yeah, amen. We don't want uh, we don't want them to be able to get away with this. They'll never stop them. And uh, you know, this is a real tragedy that America has fallen so far from its biblical principles, what made us a great nation, now embracing every wicked thing in the world, 
And uh, unfortunately, you know, Brad, much of the Democratic Party is encouraging this darkness to come, you know, with the whole transgenderism thing. And uh, uh, to me, this is of great concern. Um, you know, they want to tell us not to have gas stoves in our house, but they could care less about the southern border where fentanyl is pouring across it on the back of illegals, killing 150 Americans a day. And yet Joe Biden wants to take away your gun. You know, there's something really I, I wish the military would just come in and throw them all out and arrest all of them for treason, because this is an America. This is some kind of a, a of a I don't know. I don't know. What is it? I mean, other than the last days. OK. Yeah. And, and people need to understand that uh, the strength of a nation is partially the, the values and the, the morality and, and of the people um, and the faith of the people. But also it's also uh, the partially the 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 uh, the blind justice, the civility, the equal protection, equal treatment, the, the um uh, you know, in, uh, government of integrity and not corrupt uh, nature of government. That's also extremely important. And, you know, if our nation is perceived, even just perceived as a nation filled with corruption, a nation that is, uh, you know, going from normal to crazy, um, uh, this is going to have a an impact um, financially, economically, um, you know, of course, as well as uh, spiritually and morally as well. So, yeah, we're in exciting times. And uh, like I tell everybody, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, when you begin to see this globally, look up, your redemption draws nigh. I believe, man, I'll tell you, do what you can do for God today. We might not be here tomorrow to do it. So uh, being about our daddy's business is so important. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones again. 8888, ask CSN's the number to call if you want to be part of the program. We have Aaron on the line in Wyoming. Thanks for calling back from yesterday, Aaron. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey, have you heard of the Passion Translation of the Bible? And if so, what are your what's your take on it? I believe it's a lot of paraphrase. It's certainly not a word for word. Um, uh, and, uh, it was removed from my believe Bible gateway who, uh, has a lot of versions up because of that very reason that it, it, um, um, paraphrases what the Bible says. And I, I don't think we need to be paraphrasing the Bible. I think we just need to, as Jesus said, line upon line precept, or excuse me, um, uh, we need to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that, I think, is what we really need to do. But I think when we get into paraphrasing, we're, 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 it's kind of regurgitated scripture from somebody else's perspective. And I, I just got problems anytime I see that. People say, well, what about the Living Bible? Isn't it also a paraphrase? Yes. And if you've never read a Bible before, maybe, you know, it would, it would encourage you. But if you're really going to, Really know God's word. I, I would really suggest uh, um, uh, New King James, Old King James, um, uh, New American Standard. Um, those are much better versions of the Bible than these other ones. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, having uh, a, a, a something that you're reading that you uh, can be confident is a an accurate representation of what God's wanting to to say to us uh, is is very valuable and important. 
you know, uh, you know children, there's, they have like children's living Bibles, for example. Um, and for some kids, like in particularly, or adults, when they're, you know, just getting into the Bible and trying to understand it. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I get that. But generally speaking, though, I think that, you know, the, uh, there's, there's scriptures, there's, you know, New King James Version, uh, New American Standard Version has a little more commas. Uh, NIV, um, you know, is not my favorite, but there's uh, there's plenty of versions that are have a high degree of accuracy that um, is much more reliable and dependable, and uh, that uh, I think people need to to really try to focus on. And you know, because God brings back the word into us, into our minds at times. You know, it's not just be through memorization, which I think is fantastic, but as we read the God's word, the Holy Spirit will bring to us to mind passages, and so that's one reason I think it's it's important for us to have have an accurate reading of, of scripture. So I hope that that uh, I hope that answers it for you, Aaron. Yes, it does. Thank you. Well, God bless you. I, I, like I say, I, I think uh, you know the New King James reads really well, um, and uh, I, I don't think it's hard to understand. And so I just direct people to more um, a more. Um, uh, you know, uh, like I say, the paraphrasing is what bothers me in anything because, y- you know, sometimes you lose a little bit of the meaning, sometimes a whole lot of the meaning. we got to be careful. So, say online, Aaron, send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. With that, we'll go to Michael, Virginia State. Hi and welcome. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Um, Good. How can we help? I have, it's, uh, yes, my question is kind of a three. It's, it's It ties into the same thing, but it's kind of a three-part question. Um and I'll try to make this as brief as possible. Okay, so um, I hear Blessed Assurance mentioned a whole lot, not necessarily in the Bible, but from people, you know, talking and you know, singing the song. And my first question, and in part to, to all three, is what is Blessed Assurance exactly? Is it the reassurance of knowing that we're you know, in fellowship with Christ or that we are going to heaven? The second part of the question is, being that God is omniscient, He's outside of time. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. So, and the Bible says that many will be called, but few will be chosen. And so, my question for that would be: Why would He call so many and choose so few? Um, if, you know, knowing that there's going to be multitudes that are going to look Jesus straight in the face, and He will say to them, "I never knew you." And in conjunction with that, the third part of the question would be: And again, they all tie together. Is um, um, I'm trying to trying to figure out how to phrase it. Um, um, forgive me, I've lost my train of thought. I, I do that too. Don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yes, um, I remember. I'm sorry. Um, it's been a long day. So, with those two things in in mind. And I hear a lot of people say, many pastors, lots of people all over, the, all over the place say, I know I'm going to heaven. So with part one and two of the question, would it not just be, because the human heart is desperately wicked by design of the original sin, would it not just be it, almost just a blatant, flat-out act of human arrogance or almost blasphemy to say that I know I'm going to heaven, given the first two parts of the question? No, I, I don't believe it would be blasphemous because, again, 
the Bible says we are clothed in his righteousness. Now, all of this goes back to our will, okay? Our human nature, uh, um, it, it's corrupt. We, we need a new, we need to be born again, as Jesus said to Nicodemus. Now, he said this to a religious leader of the day. So it isn't just, well, you need to go get religious, Nicodemus. No, uh, he said to this high-ranking religious leader in John chapter 3, you must be born again. Now, of course, him saying, well, do I got to go back in my mom? I mean, what is this? No, unless a man is born of the water and of the spirit. The water, of course, the water bursts, out comes the baby. You have a natural birth. Then you have a spiritual birth as well. That's what was lost in the garden, the fellowship with God, reestablished through Jesus Christ. Not because of our works, lest any man would boast, Paul says, but it's because of what Jesus did for us. We're clothed, clothed in his righteousness. We put on Christ. The word there, put on, means like you'd put on a winter coat. You wrap his righteousness around you. That's what makes you holy. Now, the only condition that I see in the Bible is, do you want that? And uh, we find several people in the Bible who wanted it for a while and walked away. And of course, this is what the book of Jude is about. And Jesus also addressed a couple of churches in uh, Revelation chapters 2 and 3 that uh, out of the seven, five had a reprimand saying to one, he would blot their name. He said, if you repent, I won't blot your name out of the book of life. Very important. However the name got in the book of life, it was going to get blotted out if they didn't clean up their act. We also find that same reference again in Revelation chapter 22 about getting your name blotted out. I believe when we hear the phraseology, which is not a Bible verse, but certainly I think there's verses that would allude to that, blessed assurance. The assurance is that I go to heaven because God's good, not because of anything that I have done. Now, that doesn't mean that once I accept Christ, live like hell because, hey, I'm going to heaven and, uh, you know, I, I don't go to heaven because I'm good. I go to heaven because Jesus is good. So party on, dudes. No, that's not what the Bible says. It says that if Jesus said, if you abide in me. Now, that's conditional. Now, it isn't conditional in that, that, uh, um, God will ever change his mind. It's that we will change ours. Again, it goes back to an important part, Michael, on this, and that is, what do you think heaven is? I've shared this many times. If you think heaven is a big party in heaven where all my drunk buddies are there, do you want to go to heaven? Yeah, I want to go to heaven. Let's party on. No, that's not what heaven is. Now, a lot of this, I believe, is perpetrated by the devil himself to make people think, oh, heaven is just going to be this this uh, everlasting vacation. No, the Bible said it's a place where God is worshipped forever. And that is what a lot of people, even that call themselves Christians, don't want. They don't want to be around God's people. They don't want to be around God's word. They don't want to be about God's principles, yet they call themselves Christians. Now, somebody might say, well, maybe they were never a Christian to begin with. I'll grant you that. That's a possibility. But the Bible does tell us, again, the the, the sower of the seed went out to sow, and it talks about some that the cares of this life choked out the word that was sown in their hearts. So I believe that, again, we were is eternally secure. We're blessed, assured to go to heaven as long as we say, Lord, I'm in you. 
Now, how do we know if we're in Christ or not? I think that's a fair question. Well, first of all, is Jesus Lord of your life? That's the question. I don't think it's hard. Do you consult him? Do you ask him? Do you say, Lord, today's your day. I want to be about your business. I'm here to represent you. Hey, I'm sorry when I failed. Remember John says in 1 John, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Christ Jesus. So important to understand we're going to sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about willful, rebellious disobedience. That is where I believe there isn't the blessed assurance. I believe that's where we have basically um, shined on or blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah, I like the idea of, uh, you know, eternal security and, uh, you know, heaven forever, even though I think heaven's a party. No, again, I think a person better reassess what heaven is. If an individual, a Christian, non-Christian, backslidden Christian, whatever you want to call yourself, doesn't want to do God's will here on this earth, why would you want to do it forever and eternity? So I think that's where it comes down to blessed assurance. I can't think of anything I would rather do than sit at the feet of Jesus and have him teach me the Bible. You know, the Hebrews have a saying that when Messiah comes, even the space in the Bible will Even the space between the letters will mean something. I believe every word of God is so important. We had a a question the other day that said, isn't it weird that in the book of Matthew that you had 14 generations from Abraham to Moses, 14 generations from Moses to the captivity, and 14 generations from the captivity when they went to Babylon to the coming of the Messiah? Oh, that's random. It doesn't mean anything. Hold it just a minute. No, it does mean something. It shows there was a divine express order of things. And I believe this is why we need to, again, understand. But if I don't want to read God's Word, I don't want to have anything to do with God's people. I just like the idea of fire insurance. Well, I think that person might find themselves in a real bad way on Judgment Day. Your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, I I think that's uh, well said. If someone looks at a relationship with God and as a just out of like a fire insurance, like, hey, I, I, I did a prayer, I did this thing, so now I know I'm going to heaven, so now I'm going to do what I want. And um, then the, the question is, do you have a real relationship with God? Uh, you know, it's, 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 a hard, it's a hard thing, like we've said before in other shows. Also, God wants us clearly to have an assurance. So as it says in 1 John 5, 13, uh, it says... Um, um, very clearly, it says, uh, "For these things I've written, to, these things I've written uh, to those who believe in my name." Um, it also says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, and is not coming to judgment, but has passed out of death into life." Actually, that's uh, John three thirty six. Uh, but uh, you know, there's and then uh, the other verse I mentioned, John First John five thirteen, um, makes it very clear. Also, it says, "I write these things to you." who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Uh, and so God wants us to have that assurance. And some Christians sort of take that lightly, say, well, I don't know, maybe it's sort of good for people to think they could sort of lose their salvation at any time, so, you know, just keep them on the, the road, or, you know, the narrow road. What, first, what, what drives us as Christians should not be fear of, of not going to heaven, because that's an insult to the cross. That's a de- demeaning 
of what uh, the diminishing of what of the power of what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, what should drive us as Christians is the full understanding and acceptance of that full forgiveness uh, that He has covered our sins completely, fully, separated our sins as far as the east is from the west, and that from that should just overflow joy and appreciation and a desire to want to serve God and and love God. Uh, it's a relationship in a, in a, in uh, flowing out of an appreciation and understanding of the depth and breadth of God's full forgiveness and covering of our sins on the cross, and with that, the assurance of eternal life. Uh, as Christians are not assured of their salvation, uh, they're looking in, in the rearview mirror. Uh, they're not going forward. Uh, you know, life is just one fearful step after another. That's not what what uh, what we're supposed to have as Christians. Uh, that's not the joy of the Lord that comes through acceptance of that full assurance of salvation and forgiveness and confidence of eternal life. Hello. I hope that answers it for you, Michael. Yes, it does. I just I just I just try to uh, go one day at a time, and um, I, I gave I gave everything I had to him. I've been single and celibate for almost fifteen years. I just I just wanted some clarification on that because it's really been eating at me, you know. Sure, and and I I believe any person you know where the Bible says many are called, few are chosen. Actually, uh, God chose everyone. If you really look at the, at the word, for God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him, go preach the gospel to every creature. So we find that I I, I really believe that again. Uh, God's given an open invitation. Uh, I, I think that again, um, uh, when we understand the the real love of God for this world, I think that's what changes everything. I think where we get into trouble a lot of times is because everything is from God's perspective. God knows the ones that will choose Him. Those that choose Him, He chooses. Not a problem with that. But the thing is, is that. I believe that God reaches out to all of us, but again, a lot of people won't reach out to him. I hope that helps. Michael, stay on the line, send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, okay? All right. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. You've helped me a lot. Michael, God bless you too, and uh, and uh, have a blessed weekend. Let's go to Bob in Hawaii. Aloha. Hello. How may we help? Can you hear me, Pastor? Yes, we can. How may we help? <sighs> I've been going to a wonderful church and have had a wonderful pastor for approximately eight years. I mean, he was solid in the word that he read. He was expository to everything that he, he read to us. And suddenly he he committed a terrible sin. He was caught in adultery with another woman of the church. Now, suddenly the church threw him out. He exercised him, called him a wolf in sheep's clothing. I just don't understand that. The man's trying to repent and come back, and the church won't send anybody to help him, to welcome him, to pray with him, to do anything for him. Yeah, that's the real problem. We we kill our wounded. That's, uh, you know, we're the only ones. You know, the Bible says we're in a spiritual war, and and, uh, only Christians kill our wounded. Uh, because they won't look at their own personal life, their own personal sins. Yeah, his sin was bad. That was terrible. He shouldn't have done it. But I, I imagine if we followed the uh, the guys and the girls around that are pointing their fingers at him, 
You follow him around, uh, them driving down the road in their car, somebody pulls in front of them. I imagine some amazing words will come out of their mouth. Or if you look at their uh, tax uh, returns, uh, cheating things, I, I believe that, again, there's none righteous, no, not one. And to err is human, to forgive is divine. And one of the things that we find, unfortunately, uh, in the church is, is you find more love in a, in a, in a bar than you do oftentimes in church. I expect people to fail because again, we're in an old sin nature. We're in a spiritual warfare and there are going to be casualties. And if you're going to do anything good, great for God, the devil, even the more so aims and, 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 uh, aims down on you to kill you. So the war goes on. We're aware of the war. We're aware of all these things. And we just want to be about our father's business. And that's so important in the days that we're in. And when people fail, yes, maybe he should sit back for a while, take a sabbatical, realign his values, get his family life back together again. But to throw people away, this is one of the great tragedies, because honestly, the people that are pointing their fingers, Jesus said, don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye when you got a log in your own. I'd like to know what the sins of those people are. And if they say, well, I have no sin, the Bible says you're a liar and the truth is not in you. So your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, uh, I, I've seen this a lot, and it's it's most dis- disheartening uh, when we see a church uh, take someone like a pastor or minister who has stumbled in some way and just completely write them off. Uh, first, in the immediate, write them off. Instead of giving them encouraging and nurturing them to, to for healing, uh, they say, nothing to do with you. You're a fraud. You're a fake, whatever. Uh, a couple points with that. First, that attitude is is pride. Uh, and it's I think it's a failure for, for Christians with that attitude to recognize their own uh, potential to sin. Everyone has the fullest capacity for the fullest sin under the sun, but for the grace of God, so goes us. So at any time. So that's really important for us to understand is is uh, the, the fact that how, how much we all are under the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God, intervention of God. And then second is the, is the idea that that, okay, well, they can't ever be a minister again, or they can't ever be a pastor, or they can't ever really be used by God anymore because they did this sin over here. So they're out they're they're washed up. Uh, I don't see that anywhere, anywhere in scripture where God throws away someone and says, well, you just limp along until you die. Um, you're toast. Uh, that's not the God that I know. God is a God of love about a, a God of that takes uh, confession and, and gives forgiveness and healing and restoration. Um, and that is, is, is the mean that's, that's the exhortation in scripture that I see for the church, uh, not to, to throw anyone away because they've stumbled. That's not the, that's not real Christianity. And so what do you do, Bob? Well, I go to your board and say, Hey, he without sin, cast the first stone. I think uh, you might find some uh, hidden sins in their life. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, just watching your hard-earned dollars flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option. It's called MediShare 65+. Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. It really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. 
MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and you can use your Medicare-approved doctor, and you also get telehealth 24-7 service, so you don't have to leave your home for the little stuff. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're easy to talk to. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. Does the Bible seem too big, complicated, and overwhelming? There's a free Bible resource that's been around for more than 25 years and is used and trusted by millions worldwide. The Enduring Word Bible Commentary by David Guzik is a clear and simple way for everyday Christians and even seasoned Bible teachers to study God's Word. David's commentary not only breaks down the entire Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it also provides helpful quotes from well-known Bible expositors throughout history. The commentary has also been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, and more. Find the Enduring Word Bible Commentary as well as a free downloadable ebook called The King's Kingdom, a deeper look at the Sermon on the Mount by David Guzik at EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. That's EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. Part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Friday as we wrap up this week. Looking forward to uh, to uh, just a, a blessed weekend. Hope and pray you go to church and uh, let God bless you and be around other Christians. Remember, when you go, there's an input for you and an input for you to go and share your heart with them. And so it's always a a, a, a blessed time to be with the saints. When we went to the break, we were talking with Bob about an unfortunate situation with ministers, and ministers are just people. Uh, and, you know, Brad, you, you were saying, and I think it's so important that we realize there's none righteous, only Jesus. Um, and yet, sometimes we put demands on people that, um, we're, we're, you know, when we, we all understand we're, we're sinners, and then we are shocked when people fail and sin. <laughs> Your thoughts. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. In fact, you know, I talked to a group of pastors once and I, I told them, I said, of course, you know, you have your board of elders there. So if you stumble, you can, you know, share that with your board. and They're going to be real encouraging to you and, and help you. And then I paused and I said, no, that's probably not what's going to happen, is it? They're going to, some of your board members want you to be perfect. They're going to see an imperfection. They're going to be total disillusioned. Their, their faith might be shaken and they, they'll boot you out of the church. And so, you know, but yet, and so that, that reality, unfortunately, I think causes a lot of pastors um, to sort of go it alone and not have that kind of accountability that God wants us to have, you know, whether we're a pastor or not a pastor. And, uh, and so what I encourage people to do is, you know, if you're in ministry, um, you know, if, if your board of elders are, are such that, um you know, they, they may not be at that part in their spiritual growth. Hopefully they are to understand their own humanity and help you work through uh, any issues or temptations and things. Um, 
that I, you know, I hope that at the very least you find someone that you can be you know, transparent, accountable to, uh, someone that's going to encourage you. And, um, and cause that, you know, the idea of the, uh, that we can just go it alone and be the super, superman Christian is, is not scriptural. We need other believers. We need fellowship. Uh, and we need, uh, close fellowship, not just general social, hey, how you doing? How's, how's, how they, how the children march? Oh, wonderful. You know, he wants us to really get into each other's lives and, and to be able to really encourage, rebuke, exhort, et cetera. Um, that has to be a part of, uh, all of our lives and including those in ministry and, and they need to, uh, make that uh, one way or the other uh, a part of, of, uh, of their life. Amen. Hope that helps. That helped a lot. I've been praying for him and, you know, trying to get a more intimate relationship where I can be a stronger brother for him. But I'm getting heat from the elders board just because I did that. And uh, well, they're, 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 it shows that there's something wrong with the elder board because um, you you don't want to do this to people. In other words, put yourself in in his shoes. How would you want Sammy to treat you? He feels bad already. Right. I mean, if 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 uh, if Peter was on their board after he denied the Lord three times, they would have thrown him out in the street. But Jesus didn't do that. He caught up with him on the Sea of Galilee and still talked to him and still loved him. And I think this is what's really important because this is what is supposed to make Christians different than people in the world. If you like only those that perform your way and, and come up to your unreal expectations, doesn't the world do that? But when somebody shorts you and, and, and then we continue to love them through whatever it is, that bespeaks of the, of the love of God. You know, I remember back in the, in the Jesus movement in the hippie days, when people accepted the Lord, man, there was a lot of people that messed up in those times after they accepted the Lord, but the church didn't throw them out, at least the, the, the ones that were part of this, this Jesus movement, because we had all understood what the Bible said. There's none righteous. No, not one. The thing is, we're all just crawling towards the light. I mean, all of us are. And, and so, yes, if, if it's a, the Bible says those that will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, first Corinthians chapter six, are those that practice such things. In other words, it's a lifestyle. That's where your danger is. It's not in a person that sins. They're going to do that. Yeah. Should there be something remedial? Yeah, probably. But it's got to be fair, and it's got to be honest, and it's got to be without malice or vengeance. Unfortunately, most uh, most most people are into the malice. Most people are into the vengeance. You know, well, I would never do that. No, you got such a big ego, pal, that you probably won't even make it into heaven. Your head's so swelled up, you drag your ears on any door when you walk through. That's where the problems come from. I'm glad I don't sin like you sin. No, but you sin like you sin. And maybe your sin is well buried. Maybe it's only you and the internet really know what kind of a sinner you really are. Maybe it's really only you and your IRS man that knows what kind of a sinner you really are. Maybe it's you and your wife really knows what kind of a sinner you are. Maybe it's your kids or your next door neighbor or those coworkers that hear you around the cooler with the blue jokes. I don't know. But I know this, when you really realize how much God has forgiven you for, 
I know you have a lot of compassion for those in whom God forgives as well. The woman caught in adultery, thrown at Jesus' feet. He says, woman, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. She called him Lord. Now, the point is, is that did she mess up again? Very much could have. Did Peter mess up again after he had denied the Lord three times? Well, yes. We remember that he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles, and Paul rebuked him to his face. Now, does that mean Peter wasn't a believer anymore? We need to tear the books of Peter out of our Bible? No. It simply means that men fail. And so because of that, we have to understand then what this means. And I feel bad for uh, so many people that have been treated so terribly by the church in the name of Jesus, which Jesus had nothing to do with it. It's a bunch of self-righteous, arrogant people that forgot how much God had forgiven them for. Any last thoughts on this? Because I think, Brad, it's such an important topic because it's how we deal with sinners in the church. Now, if the guy goes and says, yeah, you know, uh, uh, I, you know, I like my sin. Me and me and my babe are continuing on in our relationship. Well, yeah, then you got to act that way. But a person that's heartbroken, that's repented, man, right. what in the world do you do? Well, you've got to pay penance. Oh, really? Okay, now we become Catholics, and we're going to burn it off somehow by crawling up the Sistine Chapel stairs on broken glass on bare knees. Is this is this what you want? Is this what we become as Christians? No wonder people in the world don't want to become part of church because they're saying, if I become a Christian and I fail, and they will, this is the way they're going to treat me? Man, I'll tell you. Man, anything starts looking a whole lot better than real Christianity, or maybe I should say the fake Christianity, because the real Christianity loves, it forgives, it bears long, it suffers long. I suggest your board read 1 Corinthians chapter three, uh, 13. Read Corinthians chapter 13. That'll give them a pretty good understanding what Christians are supposed to be doing in love filled with the Holy Spirit. Because chapter 13, I believe, is impossible apart from the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's between the two major chapters on the gifts of the Spirit. In the Bible, chapters 12 and chapter 14, chapter 13 is the gift, is the, is the power of love. And though you speak with tongue and a men of angels, it says it means nothing unless you have love. And it certainly doesn't sound like they're treating this man with love. You know, the Bible says, by their fruit, you will know them, not by their failures. And friends, I think we better look at the fruit before we look at their failures. Look at all the people in your church that it came to the Lord because of the faithfulness of this man. And now all of a sudden, people that have never led one person to the Lord is now judging this person? Yeah, they're no threat to the kingdom of darkness. They don't do anything for the kingdom of God except their little pointed, crooked finger of accusation. Got to be real careful, man. There is a balance. There is a line. Willful disobedience has to be treated, I think, very, very strongly. But a person that messes up, hey, listen, I believe that's where, this is where we really show what we're made out of. And I got to say, it doesn't sound like made out of very much.
Because again, if you love only those that love you, what does it profit you? Even the world does that, Jesus said. Any last thoughts, Brad? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the questions that churches often have is they, is they say, okay, well, all right, we don't throw them out and ban them until they die, you know, from ever being used by God. But, you know, how much time is needed for healing? How much time do we set them aside and things like that? And I, it really goes by person to person uh, and the uh, situation of looking at the facts. For example, um, if you have someone, a pastor or someone in ministry who stumbles in some area, maybe commits adultery, whatever, you know, um, and he's not caught, but comes forward and say, this is something I've done. This is a sin. I am, I, I confess it right up front. You know that they're sincere and contrite because they're open and confessing it right up front. Um, but if on the, on the other hand, you have someone who, uh, is doing this multiple times repeatedly and then is caught, um, and they say, yeah, I'm sorry. I've confessed. That person, you, you may want to have some more time to validate the sincerity of their confession and their repentance. And uh, so that's something that you want to work through. But underlying all of this needs to be a heart and attitude of grace and forgiveness and a desire for healing and restoration uh, at the end of the day. Uh, it's not Christianity to throw someone in the trash. Um, and to do that is to spit on the, 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 the power of the cross uh, but not only in terms of justification, but also the sanctification uh, that comes with the working of God uh, through Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bob, hope that helps. It did. Thank you both so much, and thank God for you guys. I really mean that. May God bless you richly. If you need thank us, you. we're here, Bob, and um, be glad to visit with any of your uh, people at your church there. So let us know. Stay on the line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. And uh, again, um, be a friend to your to to, to your uh, pastor there. I think he needs a friend. Let's go to Daryl Reno Carson, City, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Hi. Hi. How may we help? Well, I listen to your program all the time, and you guys are absolutely fantastic. I've learned so much. My question is: I have a new son-in-law who professes to be a Christian to his wife and has a Bible but won't go to church. As an outdoorsman, he says his church is nature, and he communes with God through nature. How do I approach him without or about this? He's a true conservative and a really great guy. Well, the Bible says to forsake not yourself the assembly together. Uh, I think... You know, if he claims to have a relationship with God and honors God's word, well, I think that's one of the verses he's going to have to be honest with. Your thoughts, Brad? Yeah. Um, you know, is it true that, for at least for some people, that getting out there in, in nature and non-distracted by the things of the world, uh, you're more likely to, 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 to listen and just to be open uh, to God and have that experience of his creation and the beauty? I get that. But as you, as Mike just said, you know, you can't forsake the gathering together. God made us to need one another in order to grow in Christ. We need each other. Uh, without that, we're going to stunt our growth. Uh, we're going to, there's just, there's so much blessing that comes, uh, through, uh, congregating together, worshiping together, uh, exhorting, uh, hearing the word together, sharing our testimonies one to another. 
it's uh, if there's so much that is in that that uh, we as are, are are begging for uh, for problems uh, for stumbling uh, without that that strength that comes through uh, fellowshipping together as believers. So uh, I get where he's at. I you know I admit and I'm out there on a hiking trail and you know it's all beautiful and I'm just not distracted. I can be more focused in my walk with God. I can talk to God. I can. You know, it's, it's, it's a great experience, but it cannot and does not take the place of fellowshipping with other believers and building up each other uh, who also need to be encouraged and built up. Uh, even if you seemingly uh, feel that you've arrived, we need the love of Christ compels us to build up each other and to fellowship with each other. And and so, yeah, and, and just real quick, again, um, uh, we find that in Hebrews ten twenty five, and there we find this. Um, uh, the importance of it, because he says, uh, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, I believe that, again, we're in those days that especially we need each other. And the Bible also says and Jesus went into the synagogue on the Sabbath as his custom was. Really? If Jesus had a custom, had a had an obligation, he felt to go fellowship with the saints, you know, in the temple, and he was God. Where does that leave somebody else saying, "Well, my uh, my church is the trees"? Hey, listen, in the days to come, the trees aren't going to help you. In the days to come, they may not offer you the refuge you need. In the days to come, you're going to need the body of Christ and those built relationships in in time right now. So very clearly, Hebrews 10.25 tells us, don't do this, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. Uh, It was around those days, too. Oh, yeah, I'm a believer. I just do my own thing. Well, the spiritual Winnebago is gone. And what do you mean by that? Well, remember those motorhomes? They were self-contained. They had their own little porta potty. They had their own stove. They had their own beds. I mean, I don't need no one. No one needs me. And I'm just out cruising down the road. Well, we're not Winnebagos. We are the body of Christ who is inter-reliant upon one another to bring forth the heart, the purposes of God. And so that's what I would aim him at, because I think that's going to be really Probably one of the best things you can do to help him. Daryl, hope that helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That Hebrews 25, I will definitely talk to him about that. Thank you so much, fellas. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you need us, we're here for you. Let us know. Let's go to Smith, Florida. Florida party, they have their own school, they have their own bedroom. I don't need no one, no one needs me. And I'm just out cruising on the road. Well, Smith, are you there? We're not Winnebago. We are the body of Hello. Christ. Hello, Smith. Okay, I don't, I don't hear Smith. Uh, we better go to uh, Joseph. Hi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I, I love your show, and I'm often really blessed by listening to you guys. So, thank you. As the other guy was saying, uh, thank you. Um, however, on the issue of the Sabbath, you've often said that the early church switched to worshiping on Sunday, and I just don't think that's true. Now, I, example, I, I attend Sabbath services on Saturday. I also attend church services on Sunday and also again on Tuesday. But just because I go to church service on Sunday doesn't mean I've abandoned the Sabbath. In fact, 
In fact, it was not until the Council of Laodicea until three, in 342 that they switched uh, to Sunday services as part of their replacement theology, anti-Judaism. And then the second thing you've often said is that you, you, you quote rabbinical law about walking a, a limited distance and claim that they uh, don't, or that we don't honor the Sabbath. Um, so, but you know what? Jesus spoke against rabbinical law. Can you actually show me anything in the Bible that shows why we should you know, switch from Saturday to Sunday? Anything that does away with the fourth commandment? Yeah, let no man judge you on new moons and Sabbaths and these kinds of things. I don't go to heaven because I worship on Saturday or Sunday. And by the way, there are no Sabbath keepers today. They get in a box on a Saturday, but that is not, not according to Levitical law, keeping the Sabbath. You can't make anybody else work on the Sabbath according to Levitical law. Yet when they get in their cars and drive to Sabbath meeting, if they get in a car wreck and they're there in the intersection bleeding out, they don't wait till Saturday night at sundown and call the paramedics. No, they call them right then. And they enjoy the police departments that patrol the streets to make sure they can get to their Sabbath meeting. They turn the lights on in their building to make sure that everyone can see. We're not, we don't, we're not saved because of the day we worship on. Every day is the Lord's. And in, as a matter of fact, that about uh, uh, the, the changing it in 300 AD, that is not true. In fact, if you go to Revelation chapter 1, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day is Sunday. It's not Saturday. And so when we understand all the way through the Bible, when you come together on the first day of the week, Paul is addressing the church. He said, talking about coming together as a fellowship. But listen, if a person wants to worship on Saturday, I don't have anything against that. If they want to worship on Tuesday, and you may be a paramedic, you may be a police, you may be a fire department, something like this, and you have to work on Saturday and Sunday, your day of rest might be Tuesday or Thursday. The Sabbath, and please get this, everyone, because for some reason, there's a horrible disconnect. The Sabbath was not made for God. The Bible says the Sabbath was made for man. It was a day that we take off to enjoy the blessings of God, what God has given us. But there is nothing that we do that makes us spiritual. Well, I worship on Saturday, or I worship on Sunday, or I give all my money, or I wear a suit and tie. None of those things do anything for your spirituality. No good thing dwells in the flesh. We are incapable of generating spirituality in ourselves. Now, we have to remember this because this is what's so important, because in the world today, we think it's something that I do. Well, I worship on Saturday. I don't eat pork. I do this. I do that. You're under the law. Get and read the book of Galatians because we're not under that. The, the Sabbath was made for us to take a day off. And again, that's such good news for the paramedics and the police and all those that have to work Saturday and Sunday, where they have to, their day off, their day of rest may be a Tuesday or Wednesday. But Paul very clearly says, don't let anybody judge you over a Sabbath. See, that that's the problem. Keeping the Sabbath doesn't add one thing to your spirituality. Please, everybody get that. We go to heaven because Jesus Christ died on the cross. 
not because I don't eat pork, not because I do eat pork, not because I drink milk, not because I sell flowers in airports. None of those things add anything to our spirituality. We are in Christ. We go to heaven because he died on the cross. And that is the bottom line. Your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, Romans 14, 5, I think really puts it in perspective. And and that is, he says, um, one person regards one day as better or more important uh, than another, while another regards every day the same as any other. Let everyone be fully convinced, assured, satisfied in his own mind. Uh, And that's the Christian Standard Bible. Um, So what I see here is um, that... The key is it's a it's first it's it's a heart question, uh, you know do we do we desire to do you know to do what we've, we're convicted of, and if God convicts us that Saturday is the day that you know then then honor the Sabbath if God's yes. convicted you it's yeah. about Sunday then honor 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 Sunday and let that be uh, it's it's a it's a matter of, of internal conviction. Uh, but I, I, I think Mike, you hit it, the nail on the head when you said that you know it's not made for God. It's it's something God gives us as a blessing uh, to to rest and to to uh, regroup and and focus on Him and acknowledge Him because we get so busy, especially in our Western modern society. I'll never forget God sort of taught me a lesson on this once. I was uh, in a law library and I was it was on a Sunday and. I was uh, there late at night working on a, a case, doing research, and just working my tail off, and and uh, seemingly thinking, well, you know, this is this is for good. So, you know, it was a good you know religious freedom case. Oh, you know, and you know what? I had for the first time in my life a migraine, and I lost a, a third of my vision on my left side, and then this excruciating headache hit me. And I, what I sort of learned from that experience, I thought, you know what? I need to rest. Maybe I need to rest even more than others because I had a major head injury when I was a lot younger. But um, it just sort of a wake-up call of how important God has, has made us to need rest and also to, uh, to, to step back and, and, and acknowledge Him and be able to commune with Him um, deeper than we might uh, you know, other days of the week when we're so busy and hustle and bustle and working, etc. Uh, so I, I think that's, those two points, I think, keep it in in perspective, it's it's uh, it's a blessing to uh, to abide by it. God wants us to abide by it, but not just in pretense, not out of legality, but out of a heart of obedience and in a way that is uh, a blessing uh, as He intends it for our lives. Yeah, and and I again, I, I if somebody's convicted about worshiping on Saturday, then worship on Saturday. There's there's nothing Joseph wrong with worshiping on Saturday. Please, nobody misunderstand me. It's that worshiping on Sunday doesn't make you any less of a Christian or any more of a Christian than worshiping on Saturday. And again, here again comes back to this, Joseph, and this is what's so important. We have a relationship with our God as Father. My my kids can come to me on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Tuesday. It doesn't make any difference because I don't look at them in the day. I look at them in who they are. And religion always says, no, you got to hoop jump. You got to do all this to have a relationship with God. Jesus just said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. 
Hope that helps. Thanks, Brad, for being on. Stay yeah. line, Joseph. Send you out books, DVDs. To Have a blessed, safe weekend. Ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash TEMA. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 